And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Um, so before we dive into the word, let's pray, and then we'll get right into it. Okay, so let's pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this morning, Lord. Thank you for every single person in here for providentially bringing them here. No one here today is here by accident or by chance, but by your providence, Lord. Thank you for bringing them here. Thank you for the fact that we can come together as a church, Father, and we can meet and we can worship you freely. We have a place where we can come and, and, and learn about you, learn the Bible, we can draw near to you. We can spend time with other believers. Father, we are so grateful for that. Father, thank you for the great service that we've already had up to this point this morning. Lord, thank you for the praise team and the time that they spent preparing. Father, I pray that this morning, in the next half hour or so, Lord, that you would use me, that you would speak through me, that it would be absolutely nothing from me and everything from you. Lord, I pray that you would use the words that you give me to speak to glorify your name. And that every single person in here, no matter what we're doing, what walk of life that we're in, that everybody in this room, for the next however long, that we would just be focused on you, not on anything else, not on anything else going on in the world, in our own lives, going on around us, but that we would be solely focused on you. And Father, if there's anybody in here that does not know you, that has never repented and, and entrusted your work on the cross as their own, I pray that you would begin even now to soften their hearts, Lord. Bring conviction as the word is taught. Father, I pray that you would use the words this morning to save lost souls and to encourage saved ones. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Pastor Shane, I think I've said this before, but Pastor Shane told me one time that when he was youth pastor, that everybody loved whenever he was preaching because it always went really short. And it feels like we've kind of come full circle at this point. So he probably should not have told me that. 
If you're just now joining us, if you haven't been with us in the past few months, our church, what we're doing is we're walking through the book of Exodus, right? And so we've been going through the Ten Commandments, taking them one at a time. And today, this morning, what number do we come to? Six, right? We come to number six. That's what we'll be looking at this morning. But before we get to that, let's just do a little recap of what we've learned so far. So we do have a way of remembering the Ten Commandments, right? But you have to use your hands in order to do so, okay? So we're going to do this together as a group, because if you don't do it with your hands, you're not going to remember it, okay? And if you're too cool for it, well, you're not that cool because you're not going to know the Ten Commandments, okay? So do it with me, okay? And it will help you remember them, I promise you, okay? So the first one, first commandment. There's only one true God. There is only one true God. That's right, Lacey. Absolutely. Star student, right? There's only one God, right? Two, don't carve idols, right? Don't carve idols. Three, don't take the Lord's name in vain, right? Four, keep the Sabbath day holy, right? Because you nap on Sunday, okay? Five, honor your father and mother. And then we come to six today, which is do not murder. And this is what we're doing here. This is the, the motion for murder. If you're, if you're confused about what this means, just think about the nails going into Jesus' hands, okay, if that, if that helps you. But that's what we're talking about this morning. In fact, since the text is, is so, so uh, grand, let's read the text that we're going to talk about this morning. Exodus 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. All right, let's go home. Let's eat. What are we eating? Where are we eating at? That's all we got. You shall not murder. That's what we're looking at, okay? The sixth commandment today, you shall not murder. The Ten Commandments, oftentimes, they spur up a lot of controversy. What I mean by that is people are offended by the Ten Commandments more often than not. Um, People are offended by the first and second commandment because they rule out other gods. They have no regard for the Lord's name, so they don't care about taking it in vain. They see no need for obligational resting, so they think it's a little childish. Some think there's nothing wrong with stealing, and that if you like your stuff, you better just hold on to it real tight. Many of us lie every day and think nothing of it because it's just a little white lie. We see what our neighbor has and we want it for ourselves, so we go get our own, thinking nothing of it. But when it comes down to the sixth commandment, the world has pretty much come to a general consensus, right? We're like, oh, those other ones, you know, they, they're, they're not that bad. But then we get to the sixth commandment, everybody in the world generally agrees, yeah, murder is wrong, right? It's the one everybody can really agree on. Nobody really approves of murder. And the reason for that is because it's so contrary to the law of nature, so contrary to our, our very existence as people, that pretty much every culture in the world prohibits murder. Basically, in every civilized part of the world, murder is illegal, of course. And my point is this, that the world objects almost to every other Ten Commandment, but when it comes to the six, the world's in agreement. And the reason the world agrees is because the act of murder goes against nature. When I say it goes against natural law, it goes against nature, it's just not right. It's not natural to do so. 
And the world's disapproval of it is proof of that. Remember, remember the context of, of what we're looking at this morning. God is speaking these commands to his people, Israel, after he has freed them from Egypt. Right? And so the sixth command here that he gives is to not murder. But this is not the first time that murder is mentioned. People have died before, right, in the Bible. So let's look at a few times of those. What was the first time we see murder mentioned in the Bible? Cain and Abel, right? Cain and Abel. Genesis 4, 8. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. First murder, first death in human history, right? Cain was cursed for that offense. Remember, not too long ago here in our book, when the Egyptians were still enslaved, Exodus 2, 11 through 15, says, One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people, looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and he looked that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? And he answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. So we've seen several examples in Scripture of murder occurring before this command is given, right? Does that mean that it's not wrong? No, it's not right. Of course it's wrong. Of course, the murder uh, that, that, that occurred before God gives this command is still wrong, is still incorrect, right? But that's just a little bit of the biblical history of murder up to this point in our story. And there's a million other cases that we could give after this time in history. One thing I want to clear up is that God doesn't condemn killing of every kind. That is not the case. Killing is something God and the Israelites do throughout the whole Old Testament. What's prohibited here is not the killing of another, but the wrongful killing of another. And so what I want to bring to your attention, the first point that I think we get from today's text is that, number one, there is lawful killing, and then there is unlawful killing. I know what you're saying. You're like, man, this guy's got, you shall not murder. What is he going to do with that? There's lawful murder, there's unlawful I'm sorry, there's lawful killing, there's unlawful killing. So there's a few questions that we have whenever we read this text. And when you think about that, lawful killing, how can there be lawful killing? Well, one of the questions that comes up is self-defense. What about self-defense? What about defending yourself? If someone breaks into my house and tries to harm me, tries to harm my family, am I supposed to just let them kill us? Well, let's see what the Bible has to say. Exodus 22, 2 and 3, If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. But if the sun is risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. In other words, if someone has no other choice but to kill as a way to defend himself or defend his family from an intruder, they are not guilty. Lawful killing. But verse 3 adds, If the sun is risen on them, there shall, there shall be blood guilt for him. And what this means is that if observers could come after the fact and they could look at the events that happened and determine that uh, killing was not necessary, then you will be guilty. So yes, we do have a right to defend ourselves. We do have a right to defend our families. Self-defense 
is not a violation of the sixth commandment. And then next I'm going to lump two questions in one. Uh, first one might be a little touchy. Uh, what about capital punishment? What about war? The word for murder used here in Exodus 20, verse 13, it's a very specific uh, uh, word for murder, and the Hebrew word is rahaz. It's used 43 times in the Old Testament, and it always means violent personal killing. That is what this word always means. So it's never used uh, when talking about the killing of war or killing in judicial execution. A very clear distinction is made between the legal putting to death and the illegal murder. The death penalty is not murder. It's actually lawful killing. Genesis 9, 6 says, Whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his own blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Capital punishment was not considered an attack on the image of God. It was considered a defense of the image of God. Human life is so precious that the taking of it was to be punished severely. The principle, uh, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a wound from a wound, which comes from just the next chapter here, by most of the world is considered cruel and unusual punishment. Gandhi, he once said that an eye for an eye makes the world go blind. And we all hear that and we think, oh yeah, that's right. That's, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Pretty good principle. But in the context of the ancient Middle East, this was really a humane law. It said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and wound for a wound, instead of an eye for a head, a truth for a family, a tooth for a family, uh, your life because you offended me. It set the precedent that the punishment, it has to fit the crime, but not exceed it. The punishment must fit the crime. Capital punishment was not then and should not now be considered a violation of the Sixth Commandment. And then what about war? What about defending our country? Stephen Carter uh, says war is horrible and should be fought rarely and only to avoid greater horrors. And that's true. But this view has become less and less popular. A lot of people, a lot of people say killing is killing and killing is wrong. But that's not the biblical position. The Bible teaches that it is not unlawful to kill enemies in wartime, provided that the war is just. It must be for a worthy and good cause. As Christians, we've long believed that a war is just if it is waged by a legitimate government, if it's for a worthy cause, if it is with force equal to the attack, and if it's against men who are soldiers, not civilians. Defending our nation by means of killing is not a violation of the Sixth Commandment either. So we see that the Sixth Commandment does not condemn self-defense, it does not condemn capital punishment, and it does not condemn just war. So we've taken a look at lawful killing. Well, let's look at the other side of that. What is unlawful killing? What is actually murder? It's a premeditated taking of life from an innocent person. And the most common form of murder doesn't really come from what you think 
when you think of the word murder. It doesn't come from a gun or a knife or from gang wars. The statistics show that the most common form of murder that we see today doesn't happen in the streets. It doesn't happen in the inner city. It happens in a mother's womb. In the past 40 years, there have been about 62 million abortions in America in the past 40 years. There's about 186 per 1,000 births. Just a few years ago, the total amount of babies killed in the womb for that year were 862,000. That's about 2,362 per day, 98 per hour. One baby is murdered in the womb every 37 seconds. And those are only the surgical and medical abortions, not to mention the great amount of chemical and other forms of abortion. I'll tell you all that to tell you this. That is murder. I realize the tone of this sermon is taking a bit of a darker one, but a sermon about murder can't go without mentioning the most egregious form of it. Christians have always believed that an unborn child is a person made in the very likeness of God. John Calvin said, The fetus, though enclosed in the womb of its mother, is already a human being. 